Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Jocelyn. Oh, man. It's so good to have you back. It's so good to be back. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. been a while. Uh, we were talking pre-show, and it's been three weeks since we sat down and talked to each other just because of crazy life stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's good to be back and, and kind of forgetting about everything and just talking about video games. <laughs> I'm we've got I got to say uh, to everybody who's listening, just tuck in because we've got lots to talk about tonight, some fun stuff. And I mean, I didn't prepare Jocelyn for this, but I feel like this is sort of video game related. Like it's it's tangential, but um, Chris Pratt is at it again. I don't know if you saw this news, but he's going to be voicing Garfield in an animated film. Like, how do you feel about okay, that? OK, so I saw that and but it was mixed in with all of the memes of people making fun of it saying Chris Pratt was going to voice and then like insert picture of animated character here and I was like what the hell is going on I was like the Mario movie news was so long ago like in internet terms right yeah I was like why is this news again like why are people making fun and like memeing on him being Mario and then like so I actually looked it up and it's like no it's because he's been cast as another voice of an iconic character and i'm just like man either he has ridiculous voice acting chops or hollywood just doesn't give a fuck <laughs> like they just want a name and they don't care that garfield sounds like chris pratt and everyone knows it like <laughs> i'm trying to picture it see here's the thing like him as mario okay that's a stretch but i'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt but he, he doesn't sound like checked out enough and lazy yeah. enough to be garfield you know uh, i just i don't know it's funny because we're we're i i'm re-watching matt is watching for the first time um parks and rec and so we're we're kind of getting a lot of chris pratt right now mm. and it's kind of funny because he's like got this kind of lazy persona but then he every single time like something happens he gets this crazy excitement and i'm like I don't feel like just that character. And it's just, it feels like that's the character that he kind of always plays. Like kind of laid back, kind of lazy, but then also super high energy at the same time. And I'm just like, I don't understand how that's going to work as Mario or Garfield. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like bill murray was perfect casting for garfield and this is garfield like i, I don't know I, i'm not i'm much more interested in mario than i am garfield sorry garfield fans but um it just seems odd but i did see the the note out there of like it's such a great way to get the word out about a new garfield movie because who would have cared if it weren't chris pratt and all the controversy of him voicing mario and now voicing garfield and uh i mean yeah that's a hundred percent true because that was going to be my next point is who even cares about a Garfield movie because Garfield is one of those things in pop culture. And I mean, maybe I'm just totally out of the loop, but it feels like, um, like pop culture of a bygone era almost like, are they even making new is Garfield still in the Sunday paper? I don't know who even gets the Sunday paper anymore. Like, I don't if if someone said, like, what's the most relevant, like, comic character right now? I would not have said Garfield. <laughs> I think Garfield, like, there will always be Mondays to hate. There will always, always be lasagnas to steal. So I think Garfield is always going kind to be Kind of evergreen, around. sure. But, I mean, also very um, 
And again, I'm sorry if I'm insulting all Garfield fans out there, all two of you, but um, like, it very much seems like it's um, simplistic. Like, okay, uh, I'll, I'll give another example. So I've been watching Bob's Burgers on Disney+. Plus. I've been, guys, I've been recovering over the last few weeks, so I've been watching a lot of TV. And uh, so I've been watching Bob's Burgers. And I was like, you know what? I'm. It's on Disney Plus. And on Disney Plus, as soon as you load it, there's this big banner that's like 85 years of The Simpsons. It's not actually 85 years, but it's a lot of years. Way more years than that show probably ever should have had. So I was like, okay, you know what? I haven't watched The Simpsons since I was like probably 15. Let's just see what this is about. And I'm watching The Simpsons and I'm like, you know, compared to Bob's Burgers, just like the storylines and the jokes and just like everything is so simplistic on The Simpsons. And that's what strikes me about Garfield is like, you're right. There's always Mondays and there's always lasagna, but also we've been doing it for 40 years. Like maybe it's not actually good anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, you're doing the same thing, but that's not necessarily a thumbs up moment. <laughs> yeah. I I, I have no idea. I feel like it's one of those rights things where they had to make another Garfield film because there's no way Bill Murray was coming back for Garfield 3. It's it's surprising he did Garfield 2. But um, yeah, it just seems like one of those things where maybe like high-end Hollywood actors it, during the pandemic really built out a, an audio recording studio. So like maybe he's just he's uh he's a better rate you don't have to pay like catering because he doesn't have to come in he can just do it all from home um and and then maybe you get like an arnold schwarzenegger cameo in there uh no extra cost i don't know chris pratt's all right i you know i like his movies i'll watch them and stuff looking forward to guardians of the galaxy th three um i probably won't watch garfield though but i'll watch that mario movie uh, no surprise there well, yeah, I was going to say, you're going to watch the Mario movie no matter what they did with it. So yeah, <laughs> that's true. not exactly a ringing Chris Pratt endorsement. <laughs> I don't think any of that was really. When you... No, yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, yeah, it was funny that I saw the memes before the news. But yeah, I was I was aware that he's doing even more animated stuff. So I mean, more power to him. Yeah. Good for you. Mr. Pratt. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's really not much more to say. Although, if Chris Pratt gets cast as uh, a, a, a Metroid, I don't know. I, I guess he would not He would not be cast as Samus because the, that would not make sense. But... Um, It'd be hilarious if he did, though, because he doesn't make sense in his other casting calls. So <laughs> True, true. He would, For the record, he would not make a good Samus. I, I feel like uh, there was some... There was, like, not rumors going around, but I think, like, Brie Larson... Uh, when when in Samus for Halloween one year, and a lot of people were like, yeah, that would work. She would probably make a really good Samus. And I think that, that was right after um, the uh, Captain Marvel came out. So, yeah, I don't know. But uh, there's no Metroid movie. It probably will never be made because I feel like the Super Mario movie is is like Nintendo thirty years later being like, maybe we do make movies, and then realizing, <laughs> oh no, we don't make movies. So. Well, you never know. Maybe it'll do really well for Nintendo. And then they'll be like, now we make all the movies. <laughs> Let's yeah. have the Nintendo cinematic universe. And then we get very excited because that means we start to get Zelda movies. Yay. I, I feel like Zelda's the next one, right? Like if, if Mario works, I, that's got to be it. If Mario works. Yeah. Yeah. But then I think they're going to run into, I mean, well, so Mario has kind of all kinds of different problems because there's 
voices, but they say such simplistic lines. Whereas in Zelda, like Zelda has a voice, but Link has no voice, right? So there's always going to be that problem of assigning a voice actor to Link and then having it be way off for most people. Because let's be honest, we all have our own Link voices in our heads, right? So they're never going to please everybody with characters like that. So I don't know. I think the struggle there is that, that Link doesn't tougher. say anything, whereas Mario does. So there's really no connection. It'd be like it'd be like Gordon Freeman from Half-Life suddenly having a voice, as long as it kind of fits close enough to, to what that character should sound like or could sound like, I think it works. And I think the same for Link. But I mean, I don't know, like you don't, do you have Link making the same like noises in a movie? Uh, a cartoon for sure. But in a movie, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. I mean, I, I think you do once or twice, kind of like um, the Warcraft movie when like right near the end when um, oh, Cadgar like levels up. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like it's kind of Easter eggy where I feel like if Link's in some like epic battle, he could do like some of his like ah! <laughs> like sounds. But I yeah, I wouldn't want to hear that through the whole movie. That'd be too much. <laughs> I hope they just save it for when he does the um, the spin move, because that's always my favorite Link sound is anytime he does the spin move. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm what does the spin move sound like? Ryan? I can't do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to, but it's. You can you you hear it in your head, and I know you. I know everybody hears it in their head, so I don't want to ruin that moment for everybody. So uh, you're welcome, people at home. <laughs> but yeah, like I don't know. We'll see what happens. It's. I just hope Chris Pratt doesn't get cast as something else, so we can we can move on from talking about Chris Pratt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, well, we could move on. Okay. We can move on. Do you want to move on? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's let's do that. Let's. Let's uh let's talk about Metroid Dread because I I know um the last time we had a show I had Crofton on thank you Crofton we talked a lot about Metroid Dread uh, I hadn't finished it at that time I remember you and I connected shortly before that show to chat about Metroid and you said uh, oh you, yeah you had said oh yeah you'll finish it pretty quick I guess Matt had beat it in like a sitting yeah or two. matt yeah matt beat it really quickly i think he only played it for about eight hours he's going back now to like 100 percent it basically but he had like 60 percent of the items and 100 percent of the story done so he was most of the way through after his eight hour playthrough yeah which is kind of crazy <laughs> well i mean metroid games are just they're they're usually pretty short um 10 hours is sort of like uh, a normal clear at 100% and uh, 100% really is uh, related to the items that you're finding. So um, the items are hidden all over the place. Some require puzzles, some require specific power-ups. And um, when we talked about it last week, I hadn't finished it. I was just about to get to the final boss. So I was at a point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back and get all the power-ups before I do this final boss. And essentially, that's that's what I did uh, since we last recorded. Is I I've just I've a hundred percent of the game. I beat the boss um, on normal. I think my clear time was like ten hours forty minutes. Um, and I feel like, you know, value aside, like how much this thing cost me, and I and at my own fault, uh, my own doing, I put more money into this game than I than a lot of other people had to or chose to uh, in buying the special edition and the amiibos and stuff. Um, but like that you know full price aside like i don't think you want the game to last longer than 10 hours 
Um, because it is a very specific formula where, you know, it's kind of comical at the beginning of the game, you lose all your powers. And then like part of the game is just progressing through the levels, uh, you know, re-unlocking your powers, getting new powers that are, you know, work in combination and using those combination of powers to progress, uh, past obstacles that, uh, that are no longer a problem now that you have like a super space beam or something. And that is kind of the formula. And I mean, it, it, it can only last for so long. I feel like 10 hours is about as far as you'd go. You could see of maybe going a couple more hours, having another area or something. But like, if, if I think if, with the story of this one and most Metroid games, if you kind of like extend it even further, it just becomes more unbelievable in that like, okay, the bad guy still hasn't shown up. We're finding another area. We've now unlocked our fifth, you know, gun power up <laughs> you know actually no <laughs> i guess you do get five but like our seventh you know there's only so many things you can do to the weapon to make it more powerful i think it's you know you get the ice beam then you get the wave beam then you get the plasma beam um so like i don't know i think the length is fine i, I feel like where a lot of people struggle is like at, at a cost level because these games have been primarily handheld so they've always had that like handheld price um so i think you know, in the 3DS era, there was about a difference of, I think, 20 to $30 between like the console and the handheld. Am I remembering that correctly? It was not that long ago. I, I think feel. so. Yeah. And, and I think now too, um, with, well, all games on the switch is that now your console is your handheld, right? Yeah. So they're kind of like, I, I think any games that we see going from what was traditionally handheld coming over to the switch, any franchises, like they're all going to get this price bump and it's probably not going to feel great because it, it basically is Nintendo just saying like, hey, all our games are on one platform now, which is like, yay. But at the same time, that means like from one Metroid game to another, you're seeing this crazy price jump. And yet the game's essentially the same in terms of like length, right? Yeah. And scope. Yeah, for sure. Like there's nothing here being done that is incredibly different from uh, the last outing, which was the remake of Samus 2, or Samus 2, oh, I, did, I can't believe I did that, Metroid 2, <laughs> you know, like Link 2, um, no, uh, Nintendo, uh, <laughs> it's it's their fault, really, um, you know, uh, there's, there is, there's obviously a difference in terms of hardware, look and feel, like different power-ups, um, but it's not, uh, it's not a crazy difference from that 3DS outing in terms of its structure and its layout. Um, but yeah, like I do feel like that added cost of, uh, suddenly it being considered a console game. It's a full price $80 Canadian product. Um, it, but Metroid's always been a game for like, it, you either like Metroid or you don't have any interest in Metroid. And I, I feel like for me, Metroid's always been about the exploration and you're you you slowly outpacing the enemies that you're facing off against to the point where at the end of the game you get what's called the screw attack and essentially every time you jump you just become this ball of death and you can chain that to basically be constantly zipping around the environments in this uh in this uh ball of death mode and it's all one hit kills so like that's the satisfying part at the end of the game where you've unlocked all your powers and suddenly you're like, okay, I'm going to go clean up and get the rest of the items. 
you can just zip around the environment and nobody can even touch you. And suddenly you're solely focused on exploration, puzzle solving, and just finding that one missile tank that seems to be missing. And a great thing they brought forward from Samus Returns uh, was the they have these Aeon abilities and you can use a basically a ping. And what it does is it pings the whole map, the whole area you're in, and shows you destructible blocks. So essentially, you don't how now have to like pixel hunt and shoot your missiles at like that one little square to try to get through to, to get the missile tank. You can see exactly where you need to go. And I love exploration games that give you those tools to basically say screw it i do not have time to pixel hunt i do not want to look at a guide i want to be able to do this myself but it's not fair that you've hidden this energy tank behind like one little invisible uh wall it's it's really frustrating so the fact that i can just ping see where those items are go straight to them solve the puzzle and move on with my life that's fantastic and i love those quality of life changes and i honestly um I've been on a bit of a kick of like old Nintendo games on the Switch, and I went back to Super Metroid because uh, I'd never finished it before. Uh, and and even that one has like sort of an equivalent. It's like basically X-ray vision. You can kind of stop and look around, and it'll show you. It'll literally show you the bricks that can be broken, which is and how they can be broken, which is really nice. So I'm I, I was surprised to see that in such an old game that they actually gave you that tool. But uh, it's nice that they did. So. Uh, yeah, I did. I did finish Metroid Dread. I, it, it is on the shorter side. Um, there is a demo out there now, which is also kind of surprising. Um, so if you're on the fence about Metroid Dread and you're and you're thinking of trying it out and you want to kind of get a feel for the combat and um, the pacing of it, it's a it's a very well paced game. And that's the other thing too. I think is that being a ten hour game, they can really make some great decisions in terms of pacing like you can speed it up where you need to speed it up you can have areas be a little more lingering where it makes sense like you don't have to like pad it out they really do focus in on um the story and what they're and what they're trying to do it is very much still like hey you know go to the go to the bad guy like you got to get to the bad guy to fight him because he's the bad guy but in a typical video game fashion but it's the you know the journey to get there is like you know, your, your AI is saying, well, you can't go past here because um, this area is on fire and you will you don't have your fire suit. Or I'm simplifying things, but, <laughs> you know, um, you do eventually get, like, the fire suit. But, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. I had a good time. A lot of people said, like, are you going to go back and play on hard mode? And I'm like, I don't know. After that boss, I, uh, that final boss, I think I might, I think I might take a break. But um, that cost, that price of admission, I might want to go back and play hard mode. Yeah, it makes to... you feel like almost you have to. <laughs> to yeah, get more a little bit. Use out of it. Yeah, I think so. I think that's where I'm at. I mean, I do need to crack open the art book, but uh, yeah, like it's it's a fantastic game. Uh, for for Metroid fans, it's it's a must have uh, in terms of like if you like Metroid, it seems like a no brainer to to pick this one up. You probably already have if you're a Metroid fan um, because you got to support. A game that uh, I think gets this is the first new entry in the 2D saga in like the last 20 years. The rest have been remakes, and uh, yeah, I think uh, Metroid Fusion. We were talking about last week. Metroid Fusion came out the same month as Metroid Prime, which was like a very early GameCube game. So that kind of gives you an idea of how long it's been since we've had a, a brand new entry in the franchise, and um, they're kind of hailing it as the end of the Metroid saga and. Like, not the end of Samus, but the end of, like, basic... Which is weird. Like, how do you go forward? Do you then now call it just Samus? 
you know, because the Metroids are no more? Or do you just keep calling it Metroid because that's that's what you've done? I don't know. Yeah, that's what everybody knows. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I mean, they'll probably, I mean, it's Nintendo. They'll probably keep calling it Metroid and then they'll like do a little wave hand like, oh, the Metroids have always been a part of Samus. So it makes sense to blah, 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 you know, PR speak. <laughs> That's what they sound no offense that's just what they sound like in my head but um yeah i had a great time with it i mean i'm i'm those who have played it know exactly what i'm saying so uh yeah metroid dread i finished it i'm done i beat that boss and uh it was um it was as tough as people said but like most bosses as soon as you kind of figure out the the pattern and avoid damage long enough eventually you do uh you do you do get your your win in so that was good um, I imagine you had, you didn't uh, you didn't try it out even though you you have it at your disposal, right? Like I know you watched Matt play a little bit of it, right? Yeah, and it's I mean it's just not my thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's totally. And again, if it's not your thing, like I can I can see it like being not at all of it. Like it's kind of weird to say. Like it is either something you're interested in or you're not, and it's a it's just a, a specific type of game, you know. And I don't think this one changes it up enough to like fix that no it looks because i know um so our old roommate was absolutely obsessed with metroid and Mm -hmm. was like going back and even when he was living with us a couple years ago um like going back and playing like the originals and stuff and it was just like me watching him play that versus me watching matt play metroid dread i was like this looks exactly the same to me yeah so i'm like i have i have no interest in any of this (laughs) i will say that um as someone who's played metroid since uh the gba games i never played super metroid but having gone back to super metroid this week and i i'm I'm nearly done with it and and again like all the games are short and i figured like ah, if i really want more metroid i might finally play super metroid and uh for those that are saying Super Metroid is better than Metroid Dread, I just have to say that um, there is a whole world in Super Metroid that made me uh, question uh, that opinion. Because, like, Super Metroid is definitely a game uh, of of uh, of its era, and uh, there's a whole segment that's like, it should not be this hard to wall jump, it should not be this hard to space jump, and the, and everyone who's played these games should know what i'm talking about because again like that's the biggest difference here between you know metroid dread and obviously a super nintendo game is is all the quality of life changes like i think metroid dread really speeds things up it's more fluid you have your counter abilities so that when enemies get up in in your grill you're not just spamming the laser beam button as they like whack into your face and do deal damage to you like there's just there's there are these little touches but again like they don't change the core of metroid so again if you bounce off metroid like this one's not gonna fix those specific things but if you liked metroid and you had these little annoyances from the earlier games um i think these uh the two games by mercury stream which are uh, samus returns on the 3ds and metroid dread on the switch they're both fantastic and if you do have a 3ds and you want to like kind of test out um i think samus returns is a really great game and and is a remake of i think the game boy metroid game and it's it's so much fun it's the first time i played that one as well and uh, i had a great time there too so lots of metroid stuff out there if you uh if you want to seek it out 
All right. So tell me about the post-apocalyptic survival city builder that you played, because what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this sounds like it would be a selection of mine. <laughs> I know. As soon as I saw this one come across my desk, I was like, OK, this one seems like one Jocelyn would dig. Uh, and and also one that um, it, this was a big undertaking for me. Like I'm I like, you know, uh, survival city builders. Uh, I loved Frostpunk, but I think where Frostpunk really nailed it was its simplicity, but also its, you know, as it got more and more complex as you went. Uh, but it started off very simple and you got the mechanics and it would slowly unwind from there, you know. But uh, Endzone, A World Apart, which is a post-apocalyptic survival city builder, it's on Steam. They just came out with a new expansion that, kind of deals with the end game i have not played that one i've i've barely got through the tutorial um but uh it is kind of neat to think like they've they've released an expansion which is essentially the post post-apocalyptic uh, <laughs> survival city builder where like you've survived the post-apocalypse now it's time to rebuild and you're starting to get into the more like uh i guess you would say at that point you'd get to more of a I looked a little bit. It, it didn't look quite medieval, but like more kind of steampunk, actually. Uh, but without without the unnecessary, <laughs> uh, you know, um, bad stuff that was in Frostpunk. It was just it was more cheerful, which is weird to see when you when you um, think of these kind of post apocalyptic uh, type games. But uh, Endzone is also a weird name. I think if you just say end zone, it sounds like you could be talking about like a football game. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you talk about end zone, a world apart that kind of gives you the full, full idea. But, but essentially like this is a very complex survival sim that uh, deals with a post global nuclear disaster. You are not trying to rebuild. You are trying to survive. I think that's what is really laid at your feet when you start this tutorial and i highly recommend you play the tutorial it is it is very you know it's a very complex game there are a lot of systems and the tutorial basically walks you through every little thing in the game uh and you do have an option to kind of play like you know um smaller versions of the tutorial like i just want to look at building i just want to look at the weather system but i do recommend you play the main tutorial which basically walks you through everything step by step starting with collecting water so like there are resources of water food um wood scrap and you know uh and then from there you can use those materials to build more materials or build buildings uh to further your your sort of survival i guess but uh there's also other things to deal with like radiation so the radiation doesn't necessarily exist uh depending on the map but in the tutorial it doesn't exist just by you know where you settle it sort of comes and goes based on the rain the rain is radioactive and sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't but when it is it has lasting effects in the soil the soil becomes radiated that can affect your crops that can affect your water supply and there are just systems upon systems to kind of deal with all this stuff so for example radio radioactive rain there's a little weather strip at the bottom to kind of show what's going to happen and you can build weather stations to kind of expand that sort of um, look ahead to kind of plan ahead. Honestly, it sounds a whole lot like Frostpunk, but with more systems. Because Frostpunk, it was basically just the cold, right? And you yeah. had that like countdown timer of like 
what the weather was going to be like for the next few days and how far the temperature was going to drop and how you needed to be prepared for that. This sounds like the same sort of deal, except for more variables. Oh, yeah. There are quite a bit of variables. Um, the one thing I'll say, as as far as I got in the tutorial, I haven't come across like bad guys, quote unquote, like, you know, raiders or, or just... Uh, I don't know. I, I think I'm pretty sure there are bad guys, but I hadn't got to the point where you're like building up units to defend uh, your base. It's really just been about survival of um, the elements. And with that sort of weather strip, you can see like if there's a drought, a drought coming. So it, it, and, and the drought, it may sound like, oh, no rain, not a big deal. No, like when a drought hits, like every lake around your s settlement just suddenly disappears. So it's a bit... Uh, I don't know, a little unrealistic in that approach. Like as, as soon as rain never comes, it's like your your lake doesn't disappear. But in this case, it does. So you kind of have to prepare. You have to stockpile food. You have to stockpile water. And you can kind of see how much you need on any given you know moment to kind of survive the drought, like whether it's going to be a couple of seasons or not. And also if there's like radioactive rain coming, like you need to basically set up systems where... Um, your irrigation systems will be covered or your crops will be covered so they don't become irradiated. And there are systems to like also take away that radiation from food so you can treat the food, you can treat the people. And there are just so many systems upon systems that you have to deal with or can deal with depending on what you want to do. And you see the effects of radiation, whether it's your people getting sick or becoming infertile, and you're not be, you're not having more you know you know families, and then suddenly like your population starting to dwindle, and you see all this at, like on the screen as you're going through, like you see all the systems, and you kind of have to pay attention to them all at once because you know one wrong move and it can it can spell disaster for for your I hesitate to say civilization, but it kind of really does remind me. Of like if you took Frostpunk and combined it with Civilization and, you know, the systems of, of Civ and then just uh, the post-apocalyptic nature of Frostpunk, um, you, you would kind of, you would kind of get Endzone, you know, and it it is very complex. Like it's, it's kind of outside my wheelhouse. I don't usually go for something this complex, but I, I have been enjoying the tutorial is very good. It's all voice acted. Um, it again takes you through step by step, Jocelyn, like it's, it's so crazy. Like these systems, you have to micromanage every settler, you know, in terms of what their job is. Oh, okay. So you don't have to, cause I was going to say, how big is your population? Cause if you've got like 10 dudes, that's totally fine. But like <laughs> any more than that, that starts to be kind of a lot to handle. But I mean, Frostpunk had that too, where you had yeah. to say like assign different people to, to different buildings or whatever. Yeah, it's very much like Frostpunk in terms of there is like one window that you pop up, which is your workforce, and it's basically every job that is possible, and there's probably like 50 jobs there, and you were just hitting like an up-down button on the job to basically say, okay, I want four people to be farmers, six people to be builders, and all that stuff, like from a builder's perspective, you can prioritize what they do. So you can say in another building, you can say, okay, I want my builders to prioritize building then repair then building roads and you can kind of change based on like how you want those builders to work so you have control over everything if you want but you can kind of leave those like more you know uh 
minute details to kind of like be the default. You know, you don't have to worry about them, you know, especially in the tutorial. But like they do give you that option to kind of go in there and tweak as necessary. But like I said, the tutorial like walks you through to the point where it's like, okay, we're now talking about, um, you know, uh, the research center. So like the first step, build the research center. The second step, tr you know, set two people to be scientists, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, da, 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 da. And it's, it is really refreshing that they kind of walk you through. But I think if, if you are someone who's more, um, has played a lot of these types of games and are, are very interested in like the more complex, you know, uh, city builder type games, you might want to like, maybe, I don't know, you might not want to do the full tutorial, but I really appreciate it because I, I wanted to be walked through step by step. But like, I can imagine it would get pretty um, boring for someone who's, uh, who's much more used to these types of games, because it is very step by step. Um, there is like a speed up option, but it, uh, but it's still, it's still pretty much like, you know, do these five things, wait a little bit, do these five things, wait a little bit. But I really appreciate it because I didn't know what I was doing. So <laughs> it was, it was nice to have my hand held, but I'm yeah. still playing it. Uh, I think you'd, I think you'd enjoy it. Like, again, it, it sounds like it's got that complexity plus that post-apocalyptic feel. Um, and it, it seems more hopeful. Like, uh, it's not quite as dire as Frostpunk. Um, at least the tutorial is kind of labeling it as like, um, you are just, you are just trying to survive. And most of the bad stuff is the environment. I find it funny that like there's been a global nuclear disaster, but it's helpful. Well, <laughs> like we exploded everybody with nukes, but it's okay. That's not we'll okay. make it. <laughs> it's it, you, you know, it's funny that you say that because that's kind of how the VO sounds when you're doing the tutorial. It's like, don't worry, we can build a dock and go fishing uh, to fish and feed our people. You know, uh, don't worry, we'll upgrade this bus and we'll put a campfire. That'll make people happy. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I think it will make them happy. But you are, you are very, <laughs> you're very jovial for what everyone's kind of gone through over the, over the, the, <laughs> the opening cinematics. So, um, yeah, like the, the, the VO is very, very, uh, okay with everything that's going on. Even when they're talking about acid rain and radiation, they still got like this, you know, acid rain and blah, 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 the radiation. It's like, okay, yeah, we get it. It's bad. You don't have to, he's really sugarcoating it here. Um, but yeah, it's, it was a lot, it was a lot of fun to check this one out. And um, it, again, like I said, it, the tutorial is huge. It, there's a lot to it. I think I played like two or three hours and I'm still in the tutorial. Like that's how slowly and methodically it's walking you through all these points. Um but I could not imagine playing a scenario and going in blind. I would, it would likely not go over well, but uh, <laughs> I am looking forward to playing a scenario because I, I really am craving like some goals as opposed to just. Just showing you all the things. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I, I might uh, report back in a couple of weeks once I've had a chance to, uh, to, to get to the tutorial and play a scenario. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I think uh, this is one I'm definitely going to check out because you're right. It's definitely right up my alley. So, uh, yeah, I'll let you guys know what I think as the Gamers in resident city builder post-apocalyptic expert. Um, but, Ryan, you also wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the Nintendo 64 stuff that they've put on the Switch. So 
you have the option to upgrade your Nintendo online stuff to have the 64 pass on it as well. And you also managed to get your hands on a controller, which is something I tried and failed to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so uh, it's been, you know, Nintendo's sitting there just, you know, counting their bank account. I don't know. I was going to say counting their bills, but like it was all digital. But yeah, like they've gotten a lot of money from me um, this past couple of weeks. But I... I feel like uh, so I'll start I'll start off with this in terms of the Nintendo 64 expansion pass or the expansion pass because it gets you the Genesis stuff. Um, It also gets you um, access to the DLC for Animal Crossing at the end of this week. But really, like, let's be honest, like the big draw, I think, is the N64 stuff. Like, I think that's the reason you would want to upgrade because um, the Genesis is what the Genesis is and the Animal Crossing DLC you can purchase separately. Um, but the the cost of admission is quite expensive. Like you can upgrade your pass. It's all it's over double what the uh, base subscription is. You are locked in for a year. So I think for me, it ended up being I think I uh, and they prorate you. So they basically give you a refund and they upgrade your subscription for a year from when you upgrade. So I think mine was only a couple dollars off because I had like a month left. So I think the full price was like $70. So it's not cheap. Um, I think it's honestly more expensive than, it's definitely more expensive than than all the other subscriptions, like gold and PlayStation Plus. Like I think those yeah. are 50 bucks, right? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. It, it is definitely expensive. And what they're offering right now uh, is is not a lot. So you've got like eight N64 games, um, maybe six or seven Genesis games. And then, like I said, the Animal Crossing DLC. So I did want to start off with the fact that like, I think this upgrade is not worth it right now, unless you're like me and you, you do really like the N64. Cause I feel like if you don't have an interest in playing N64 games, there's obviously no reason to upgrade right now. Um, the base subscription for Nintendo Switch Online at least has stuff to it that is more than old games. Yeah, and I feel like, um, well, I mean, basically what I've seen of people trying to play the old um, Nintendo 64 titles on this expansion pass, um, the performance is really not there. Like with Mario Kart specifically, it's very like one to two frames per second, like everything's super laggy and which I mean when you're playing a racing game like that's pretty important so I mean yeah it's just it's Nintendo doing online things and that's not what they're known for yeah and and here's the thing like uh I haven't played any of it online um which is kind of ironic because it's it's an online subscription but I did play a lot of the uh N6, I played all the N64 games that are on there um that uh, offline and it runs about as uh like playing them offline runs about how you would expect them to run the n64 was never a powerhouse and i and i think that it it also needs to be said that and i said this on the patreon mini in that like the n64 isn't known for its great games every game i did boot up with the n64 controller um it certainly brought back like a lot of those memories of playing the n64 but there are only like maybe I'd say four or five. You can count them on one hand, like the games that come to mind that like stand up today. You know, you've got Super Mario 64, Ocarina of Time, um, 
<laughs> you know, maybe Smash you could throw in there, but even then, like I feel Majora's like Majora's Mask. Majora's Mask the, that for was sure. Before, yeah. Um. Yeah. Like it's well, tough. The Mario Kart and Mario then Kart. um Goldeneye for me. Yeah. Well, I don't. I, I think Goldeneye will not be part of this. Like, but if it was, that no, would be. No, I know, a huge but guy. I'm just like, yeah. Oh, Goldeneye would be great. <laughs> but yeah, though, like when I think 64, that's what I think is. Yeah. You know. The Mario's, the Zelda's, and the Goldeneye. <laughs> exactly, and but again, I think like it's Perfect Dark too. Perfect Dark, yeah, and I and I think you know because Ban and I think of Banjo Kazooie as well. I, I'm a big fan of Banjo Kazooie, but again, it's an acquired taste that one. Um, but I think if you have like that strong connection to the N64, and you you have a Switch, but you don't have like your N64 and your games and stuff, and you just want to play on something that you can plug into a normal TV without buying some weird adapter on Amazon, this is like for you, you know? Uh, a lot of people saying it's very expensive, there's not a great selection. I think the selection will approve, improve over time, which means like this could be a very good wait and see because there's no reason to subscribe right now unless you do really want to play um, some of these N64 games right away. And, you know, they, they started off with a really good selection. You know, you have Super Mario 64 and Ocarina of Time right off the bat, like, and Mario Kart. I keep forgetting about Mario Kart. Um, every time I play Mario Kart, it just reminds me of a dentist office because that's where I played it. I never owned it. Um, <laughs> I'd play at my cousin's and the dentist office. <laughs> so that's my memories of, uh, you know, you have three brothers, you go to the dentist, you have all, everyone's appointments are back to back. So what do you do while you're waiting to go into the dentist? Y'all play Mario Kart. And they had multiple controllers and I just, that's what I, uh, that's what I remember. So as I'm playing it, I'm just like, it's like probably having the only good memory of going to the dentist as a kid. Um, but uh, yeah, the controller, and this is the other thing too, Jocelyn, like, I don't know, when was the last time you used an N64 controller? A long time ago. <laughs> exactly. Do you remember, like, if you can picture it in your head, do you remember, like... I could definitely picture it in my head, for yeah. sure. But, um, but do you yeah, remember like, what I, it was like to hold one of these things and use it? I remember I always thought it was weird to have a controller that was designed with, like, three sticky outy things. Yeah. But I only ever remember playing any game holding the middle one <laughs> and the right one. Yeah. Like, I don't ever remember holding it by the two on the outside. And uh, like, it made me think like, why is this outside one on the left even here? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's so wild because the first thing you realize when you hold the N64 controller in your hand, and I got to say, uh, Nintendo has done a great job with these wireless controllers um, ever since I, I don't own the NES ones. And I know the NES ones had their own issue where they weren't USB-C. You actually had to slide them into the side, like the Joy-Con uh, segments to to charge them. And they had that weird Joy-Con slidey bar at the top, which kind of ruined what I feel is, uh, I'm going to say, immersion of the nostalgia. Because like, it it doesn't it, it doesn't look like an NES controller because it's got this weird like Joy-Con rail on the top. But after that, with the Super NES controller and now with the N64 controller, they've they've really nailed it. It looks like an N64 controller, it just doesn't have that long, you know, cable hanging out of it. And they they've also filled in the expansion pack on the back. So um it's kind of like a, a uniform feel on the back there. There's no uh, rumble pack or whatever, but there is rumble in the controller. So that's important to note. But yeah, like it feels really odd. And playing um, Super Mario 64, Ocarina of Time, the way they were originally 
played over 20 years ago, it just feels so weird. And I have not used an N64 controller in some time as well. I, I would say probably the last time I used it was when the N64 was was around because like those games never they didn't come they didn't come back uh and they didn't bring that controller forward whenever they came back they were they were for the platform they came back on whether it was the ds Mm -hmm. or what have you so playing on the um on the n64 controller is super weird and honestly worth the price of admission for me um as someone who has like strong you know nostalgia for nintendo products it is kind of awesome to be able to play these N64 games uh, with an N64 controller that is wireless and you can The kinda... way they were meant to be played. <laughs> yeah. It, don't get me wrong. It's expensive. I feel like uh, the one great thing about, you know, we talk about Nintendo and scarcity of their products. Uh, they've done a really great job at keep, at re- keep restocking of these uh, controllers. So as of right now... Um, you unfortunately can't buy an N64 controller, but they will be restocked in 2022. Uh, they have not stopped restocking the Super NES and NES controllers. So, like, there is some positive stuff there where I feel like the controller, specifically the Super NES controller and the N64 controller, are worth buying. Like, it's it was expensive. The N64 controller, I think, was like 80 bucks after shipping and tax. Not cheap, but controllers are not cheap these days and i don't know like if you if you played a lot of n64 back in the day and you're just you're looking to get back to that and you don't own an n64 and you don't have the ability to like check that box by like finding a way to connect all your stuff again i know there are people in (laughs) discord i i think i i'll I'll call out whirlwind here i said hey whirlwind you want to try the mario kart online he's like no i just hooked up my n64 again i was like hey if you have that ability Certainly do that. It'll save you some money. And also you can't buy an N64 controller right now. But uh, I don't know. There's something about it. I I look forward to seeing what Nintendo does with this because there are a lot of N64 games that I would love to play either again or for the first time. Um, The first Paper Mario, I never finished it. I feel like that would be a fun one to go back to. Uh, But yeah, like I'm trying to think of other, other ones. Like Perfect Dark would be a lot of would be interesting to go back to. I don't know if it'd be a lot of fun because just picturing playing a, a first person shooter with these, uh, I think you use the, you obviously use the analog stick to aim, but you use the C buttons to like move. Is that right? I think so. I like, I, I don't really remember, but vaguely, yes, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, oh, another game that's on there is Star Fox. And that that is always a fun one too to go back to. It, it controls really well too. So I don't know. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Uh, I think it is absolutely related to the fact that I that the N64 was like a big part of playing games as a kid. Uh, Ocarina of Time, Super Mario 64, Mario Kart, all those classics, like a lot of them, like I'd say half of what they've added right off the bat are the ones that come to mind when you think of the N64. And I I, I don't know when they're going to be adding more, but I know uh, Majora's Mask is already on the list, Paper Mario, Banjo-Kazooie. So there's a lot of the the other, you know, big ticket games that are going to be coming coming down down the line. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll continue to report back. But as of right now, I'm enjoying it. But I, I don't think the upgrade is for everyone right now. Um, 
uh, and yeah, like I, it's hard to say. It's very, it is expensive, but uh, if you if you have that, you know, draw to want to play some of these old N sixty four games with an N sixty four controller, like it, the feeling is there, and it, it is hard to explain. Sounds like it's probably just worth the wait. Um, like it, it, till they have more controllers back in stock, till they add some more titles, like. This sounds like a product that has a lot of promise, but maybe isn't quite there yet, unless you're a super hardcore Nintendo 64 fan, which obviously there are those out there. So I'm glad that it exists for them to to give a try like you did, Ryan. But yeah, I think I'll be, well, obviously I wasn't able to get my hands on a controller, but this is something I'm probably going to check out sometime um, in the future once they add some more titles. So uh, yeah, we'll keep our eyes on that and let you guys know when there are more titles coming out for the Nintendo 64 expansion pass. But um, we have some extra life news. Uh, it is this Saturday is our game day. I'm pretty excited about this, Ryan. How about you? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, it kind of snuck up on us, but uh, we are it definitely <laughs> did. It's been, it was kind of a crazy October for both of us. And then we kind of like looked around and we're like, oh my God, okay, Extra Life is this weekend. So what are we doing? <laughs> so uh, what we're doing is actually going to depend probably a lot on me. So um, I don't think that we're going to be able to do quite as as long and as crazy of a day as we normally do. Um, because as I mentioned off the top of the show, I'm still recovering. So I'm going to do my best to make it through the House of Ashes. We're going to start that at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. So you guys can tune into the Twitch stream for that. I'm going to be streaming at twitch.tv slash JossPlays. And Ryan, you're going to stream your perspective as well, right? Yeah. So I'll be live at uh, twitch.tv slash RyanMurphyCA. Uh, I put a multi-Twitch link out on the Gamers in Twitter, and it'll, I'll, I'll make sure it's out there if that's your preference to, to watch both of us at the same time, especially if we're playing a co-op game. But uh, by all means, check out whichever stream. Um, you'll know if someone breaks a controller because the other person will be reacting. <laughs> And uh, the lovely Twitch chat will be clipping things um, as people as they always do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so we're going to play through House of Ashes and then probably take a break. Um, And then again, that's going to depend how long that break is going to depend a lot on how I'm feeling. But we will be back in the evening as well. And uh, I'm actually I'm not sure what we're going to be doing in the evening, but we'll be doing something. Anyways, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Again, if you guys want to get in on it, you can go to bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2021 to donate to myself or Ryan or anyone else on the team. Uh, So please go and do that. It's a great cause. Um, Also, if you do like the content we produce, we are looking for our November patron right now. You can head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in if you would like to support the show. That brings us to the news. Uh, and I was going to say this week, but <laughs> we've got some spattering stuff we wanted to talk about that was a little bit from last week, a little bit of leftovers. Um, but yeah, we did want to uh, touch base on a couple of things. Um, so BlizzCon line, which is BlizzCon, but online for 2022 has been officially canceled which is uh, kind of not all that surprising. So this news uh, was made public last week. And then just today we had the earnings call from Activision Blizzard and we found out that Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 have been delayed out of 2022 completely. So we're looking at those titles coming in 2023. So if we had BlizzCon line in February 2022, they'd have nothing to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, and it's kind of 
interesting when you look at the news as it happened obviously when they announced it there was no information about blizzard products it was more about they did say oh we'll have stuff to announce but we're not going to have a blizzcon line they wanted to focus on the company and uh you know the the current situation like fixing the situation and addressing you know staff concerns in terms of what they said in their release but you know coupled with the news that came out shortly before recording here in that, as you said, Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 are delayed, it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, they don't want a repeat of the last BlizzCon line, which was, uh, I, I think, nothing. It was just like a patch for Warcraft mm-hmm. and, and a little Hearthstone news, I think. Yeah, it's actually, um, February is a pretty big time for Hearthstone, actually, because the Hearthstone year kind of rolls over in, like, late March, early April, so basically, a February BlizzCon is good for Hearthstone because they can be like, hey, new standard year. Here's our new expansion. This is everything that's changing. Like, look at all our crazy stuff. So the February announcements worked really well for them. But even the Hearthstone team super overpromised because that's when they first told us about Mercenaries. And Mercenaries only just launched a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it basically looks almost nothing like what they were talking about in February. So it's like they they overpromised or overshared. I don't know, but like in terms of all the Blizzard properties, Hearthstone is the one that a February BlizzCon would they'd be totally fine with. It fits in with their normal like cadence of of releasing content. But um, nobody really knows what's going on with Warcraft. Um, we are kind of thinking like normally we would have a like new expansion talk coming now, but I mean, we're only in 9.1.5 came out today. So it's very much like they're super behind on their normal release schedule for content. We have no idea when 9.2 is coming, if there even is going to be a 9.2, which is a, a question in a lot of people's minds or They're also thinking 9.2 could be the last patch of this expansion and also that it wasn't planned like that. So like (laughs) Warcraft is a little bit of a mess right now. And so the fact that they've got absolutely nothing for Starcraft, it's in maintenance mode. The other two or I guess kind of three tentpole franchises of like World of Warcraft, Diablo and now Overwatch, none of them have anything to show. (laughs) So I think now that we've now that we found that out, this announcement about BlizzCon line being canceled has like makes a lot more sense. Like why have an event when you've got nothing to show? That's how we got the Diablo Immortal fiasco. Yeah. And I think on top of that, also the uh, the person who used to, uh, she was in charge of BlizzCon. I can't remember what her actual title was, if she was a a manager or a VP or something. Anyways, she was she was the head executive in charge of BlizzCon, uh, was actually Jay Allen Brack's wife, and she left when he left. So they don't even have anybody at the head of BlizzCon. <laughs> so, oh. yeah, where you have um, like worker shortages, and even when you didn't have worker shortages, you were having your workers doing double, triple overtime, like crazy 18-hour day shifts going into BlizzCon to prepare. Like, I can see why they just don't have the resources right now to do any sort of event and especially an event where they would have nothing really to talk about. It doesn't seem worth it for them at all. No. And I mean, really, they'd only catch flack from fans. Yeah. It's it's a basically a lose-lose for them to try to go ahead with any kind of event right now. So I'm yeah. not really surprised. 
I, f- I feel like the news, um, the the reception to the news of BlizzCon line being canceled was fairly, you know, middling to positive, right? It was kind of like, okay, yep, okay, that makes sense. Let's, uh, that's all good. You know, there wasn't a lot of, I don't think there was a lot of negativity to the cancellation, maybe just because BlizzCon line 2021 was just so not well received. And then just the year that Blizzard Activision has had. Yeah, it doesn't feel like one we're celebrating, that's for sure. <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. So, and I think that there would have been more negativity had they gone ahead with a, an in-person event. Not that I think that, uh, you know, November 2021 is the time to be doing in-person events yet. But I think if they had gone ahead with that, then people would have been, you know, more upset if an in-person event had been uh, canceled. But I don't know. We'll have to see because the announcement itself kind of said that they're reimagining everything. So we might not even see like an in-person BlizzCon event again. We'll kind of have to see what happens. And I don't know. I'm I'm kind of okay with that. If you guys want our kind of more in-depth thoughts, we actually did do um, a full instance episode about um, BlizzCon specifically, but also just conventions in general. And uh, so yeah, I'm not going to go too, too deep into, into everything now, but if you guys do want more thoughts from myself and Garrett and Scott, then we did talk about that on the instance last week. So, um, but yeah, the other uh, piece of Blizzard news here was also that Jen O'Neill, who was the co-lead of Blizzard has left <laughs> mere months after being like almost to the point of saying mere weeks after being announced as the co-lead. Um, she is now no longer at Blizzard. And uh, yeah, so now we're down to one dude again. And I mean, really super negative conspiracy theorist Jocelyn is like thinking this was the plan all along that they kind of said, hey, you can do whatever you want once the once, you know, everything dies down. But we just, you know, we can't appoint another dude to be the head of Blizzard. So can you help us out sort of deal? Um, because yeah, like, I don't know, it just seems like a return to the status quo and it makes me so mad. And, you know, she said, you know, she was moving on to, you inspired to do more work for women. And so therefore was moving on. And I was like, it's not like Blizzard is suddenly fixed. Are you insane? If you want to do work for women and make (laughs) working and gaming better, you should probably stay in your role as the head of one of the worst freaking companies for women. Like... Come on, <laughs> just reeks of a whole bunch of bullshit to me. <laughs> yeah, I uh, 100% agree with that. I think that, um, you know, it, it this all like happened, I think, right during there's an earnings call. Yeah, it was during the earnings call. Yeah, they did like a post, a, a kind of goodbye letter thing from her uh, kind of simultaneously. And the letter just reads like insanity. <laughs> like it's <laughs> so all over the place. I just I don't know. Yeah, uh, so she is, uh, so O'Neill is, is leaving to go work at uh, Women in Games International, which is actually one of the, the charities we highlighted when uh, the Blizzard stuff all broke. Um, it's a nonprofit devoted to equity, or, or sorry, equality and diversity in gaming, and that Activision Blizzard is giving $1 million, uh, a $1 million grant to the organization. It just, um, it's it seems, it just seems um, to me, it seems weird, uh, as you said. Like it feels like um, Blizzard Activision still needed those uh, co-leads, and um, it just feels uh, it, there's been a lot going on with Blizzard. And I know there's been other stuff that we haven't talked about, and other people have talked about it 
in detail, you know, some stuff with the CEO, Bobby Kotick, you know, taking a, a price cut, um, uh, you know, they, I think they got rid of uh, forced arbitration for um, sexual assault and harassment cases at they Blizzard did, yeah. Activision, which is a, a big step. But I think like if you follow the better ABK accounts, uh, they've actually started to uh, talk union now. Um, Mm -hmm. so there is that angle to it as well. And I feel like, uh, I feel like there's, if there's any company that can kind of, um, have their employees, we've talked about this before, but have their employees form a, a union for video game developers. I think Blizzard Activision is the one to do it. Um, because again, like there's such a big machine that require so many talented, uh, video game developers that you just can't as a, as a company cut and run with that many folks with, with live games. Like, could you imagine if the whole, they fired, like they got rid of the whole Warcraft team and being, mm-hmm. being possible. You definitely wouldn't have a 7.2. Um, so it's, it's definitely one to continue to watch. And I have to say, like, it's been, it's been good to see Activision Blizzard um, and Bobby Kodak make, make uh, and address certain um employee demands but it's also it's kind of we were saying pre-show it kind of feels like one step forward two steps back you know Mm -hmm. and um i don't know it'll be interesting to see what happens next and and hopefully it's hopefully it's it continues it hopefully it's positive but yeah i don't know it's i really keep thinking like maybe maybe we'll just talk about blizzcon line 2022 being canceled and and that'll be it for this week but uh silly ryan i know (laughs) I, sh- I should have known there was some sort of investors call. <laughs> there always yeah. is on a Tuesday. So <laughs> here we are. Maybe next week. it'll. Maybe it- next week. We'll Maybe. have no Blizzard news. That'd be great. I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're also going to talk really quickly about the first trailer that we just got for the Uncharted movie. Yeah. Um, Ryan, I'll be honest, when I first saw this come across, like I didn't watch the trailer until days later because when I saw the thumbnail of Marky Mark and Tom Holland standing next to each other with like Uncharted across it, I legit thought it was like a meme, like it was fake. So I was like, oh, Internet, you're so funny. Lol, moving on. And then like Garrett asked me if I'd seen it yet. And I was like, wait, that was real. (laughs) (laughs) So I watched it and like, okay, I love Tom Holland. I think he's a really good actor. I find him very entertaining to watch. But he's just so young. Like, he has such a baby face. And I'm just like, when I think Nathan Drake, and I haven't even played the first Uncharted. I think I played um, Uncharted 2 and then on. Um, And the movie, according to people posting all over everything, um, they're saying it looks like it has scenes from a whole bunch of different games. So it doesn't even look like it's just tackling like the first one like Tomb Raider did. Uh, which I think is probably a mistake because games are really long narratively anyways. <laughs> and so if you're trying to take three or four games and smoosh them into an hour and a half to two hours, you're probably going to cut out some pretty big points. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It just even if it's like his origin story or something, he still looks too young I just, I can't, I can't like wrap my head around it and I couldn't get into it. Like there were a couple of shots near the end of the trailer where he starts to look a little bit like dirtier and scruffier and I can almost see it. But I'm like, when I think of like Nathan Drake, I think of somebody in his like 
late 30s, like getting wrinkly and and scruffy beard and you know like i don't think of a fresh-faced like early 20s kid <laughs> yeah uh we so this news broke uh we uh, croft and i talked about it a couple weeks ago but i did i did want to get your take on it so i we we are seeing eye to eye on this because i think our comments were basically seeing tom holland as nathan drake isn't completely outside of you know our uh our understanding like i, I can see it uh, and we did see it. I can believe it. I think the struggle I have is that he there's just something missing in the trailer. I think uh, Wahlberg, you know, he is who he is, and but I think he makes a, a pretty good young Sully. Um, but like where this is taking place is uh, narratively, like it's there is a moment in Uncharted Three, I think, um, where you see a younger Nathan Drake, and this is sort of taking place between those segments and and obviously uncharted one so it is like sort of a prequel to the games but as you said they are taking some of the bigger set pieces from the from the games and kind of like bringing them into the movie so moving them forward in the nathan drake timeline so for example the cargo plane in the desert that is ripped straight from uncharted 3 and they've recreated it for the movie which okay can we just talk about that cargo plane for a second because i understand that it's based on a video game and you want to kind of do some Easter eggs and you want people to like recognize moments from the game so they can say, I did that. Look at them. Bring it in. That's awesome. And they did that in Tomb Raider as well in a couple of places. And it felt weird, Mm -hmm. but it's like they've just uh, it's it's like suspending too much disbelief, right? They've brought video game physics into the into like a live action thing, and I'm just watching Tom Holland jump from crate to crate, and I'm just like, <laughs> this is so stupid, like okay. really, really dumb. <laughs> I uh, I agree. I think it like that was the thing about the trailer that felt really off, and um there's this moment where he gets back into the plane and then like a car comes towards him and he tries to do like the uncharted, um, Oh man, this is not my day type thing. And, uh, it just does (laughs) not like, dude, you're going to get hit by a car. Yeah. Like (laughs) do a, do a flip. What are you doing? Like, (laughs) and, uh, no, but there, there are moments in the trailer. I think that are really funny where, um, he and Sully are interacting and he's like holding his ear. I think Crofton brought this one up. He, he's holding his ear and, and then um, Sully goes like, don't hold your ear. You look like yeah, an idiot. Like an, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that works really well. I really feel like the chemistry between Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg is going to work really well for the characters of Nathan and Sully. I think where I'm going to struggle is uh, those video game nods, especially that cargo plane. Um, there i feel like maybe the way it was cut in the trailer makes it look really silly and hopefully it's a little more expanded upon in the movie and and it kind of fits a little better but you know there's a moment where like the guy comes out and he has a very thick scottish accent and then it's very nathan drake to be like what did you say you know like that fits the character really well and i don't know um I just, I left the trailer being a little conflicted. I'm like, I love Uncharted. I love Tom Holland. Uh, but. But I don't think I love this and I don't know why. <laughs> exactly. There's just something about it that feels off. And it's almost honestly, and I know this is crazy because it's not like he's like animated, but like 
it feels almost uncanny valley y. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. there's just something about it that's just off and wrong, and I can't put my finger on it, but I know I don't like it. <laughs> 100%. We are on the same page, but when this movie comes out, we'll have to. Uh, We're we'll both going to watch it. We're both going to watch it. Let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> exactly. And so. we will review it because it's video game related. Yeah, exactly. And I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and I think it comes out, what, February? Yeah, I think it comes out alongside the Sonic film. So we'll do a double header. Oh, God. <laughs> no, we're doing Uncharted only. That's it. <laughs> we have to because they both come out at the same time. So it is possibly watch two, two movies can't happen. So, yeah. yeah, we'll just go with that. Uncharted only. That's it's been it's been decided. <laughs> but only one of those films has Id- Idris Elba in it. So <sighs> I know, Ryan, but that's not enough. It's just not enough. I won't do it. <laughs> all right. He's playing Knuckles. That's all I said. I think it's going to be uh, it. it's going to be uh, bad. I did. I did see that. And I saw him say that he, he was going yes. to not make Knuckles sexy. And I'm, I'm like, it's your voice. You can't help it, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> see, I knew we forgot a news story. We did forget a news story. We should have led with Idris Elba's voice is too sexy for Sonic. No, he's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> guess that depends on your feelings about Knuckles. <laughs> I guess we should end the show. We definitely should. If you guys want to join this twisted conversation, you can do so at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. Otherwise, you can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays, Ryan is R.R. Murphy, and don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Also, don't forget to tune into Twitch this weekend while we do our Extra Life Marathon. If you'd like to donate, you can go to bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2021. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs>